0: Hello and welcome to the Muse-only version of the Muse to Music podcast. A phenomena that I find to be quite shocking and very hard to understand is when someone who has fame, wealth, adoring fans, influence, freedom, basically everything most people would ever want, and then they wind up committing suicide. I met an attractive young woman in my 20s who told me that the first thing she did after graduating high school was to go to Seattle because she was on a mission to sleep with the lead singer of Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. I thought this woman was gorgeous. I would have loved to have hooked up with her myself, but she made it quite clear that although she would travel a thousand miles to sleep with Kurt Cobain, there was no way in hell she was going to sleep with me. At the time... I was thinking, this guy has got it made! This was only a few months before Kurt Cobain took his own life at the age of 27 by putting a shotgun to his head at the peak of his career. Ever since then, I have been asking the question, why would someone who seemingly has everything, who appears to be living the dream life, who has attained a level of success most of us will never see, who still has many years ahead of them, and groupies. Why would someone like that kill himself? How could he be depressed? If he was depressed, why not just spend more time with the groupies? Certainly would have cheered me up when I was in my 20s. And I know the standard answer given by psychiatrists and psychologists is that depression is a disease. It's a chemical imbalance. And you can have good things in your life, including groupies, and still be depressed. But I was not buying that answer. Or the solution which they prescribed, which was more drugs. Addicted to drugs and alcohol? And depressed? No problem just take our drugs instead. It was not until I attended a concert and heard the lead singer of Disturb introduce the song, A Reason to Fight, that I got the answer. I had seen lots of documentaries on great artists that killed themselves, and when he introduced the song, I got it. I saw the common thread among the 600 Wikipedia entries of artists who either by accident or intention died due to their addictions. Before he introduced the song, he asked the audience how many people have had issues with addiction and depression. And at the MODA Center, an arena that seats nearly 20,000 people, almost everyone raised their hands. Except me. I felt a little odd. People were looking at me a little bit indignantly, like, you've never thought of killing yourself? What's wrong with you? It was a very eye-opening moment for me because I became aware of how many people were suffering, or at least have suffered. Thinking back on it, after having felt the scorn and searing rejection of an arena filled with thousands of people, I realized that I probably should have raised my hand. At the time, I had completely forgotten who I was years ago, when there were times I had been addicted or depressed, or just mad at myself, hating myself, feeling worthless, because I was incapable of living up to the high standards that I had set for myself. I remembered how it felt to want to do or not do something, and to hate myself the next day for doing it anyway. And I realized that there is a deadly thought pattern that is possibly responsible for the deaths of thousands, possibly millions of people, which is especially prevalent among talented people who set high standards for themselves. And it goes like this. I want to do this or that. I intend to do this or that. But I am unable to control my own behavior. I am doing things I regret. Or I am not doing the things I intend to do. I hate myself. I hate my brain. If I cannot control my own actions, then I am worthless. And life is not worth living. If you are currently having thought patterns that lead you to despair and feelings of worthlessness, I think it's important to realize that you are not worthless and that you are not alone. In fact, if you were at that concert, you'd realize that you're in the majority. When someone commits suicide, the people left behind are often haunted with thoughts of what they could have said to them when they were still alive to convince them that they are not worthless that their lives were worth living, that there are millions of people who have had suicidal thoughts in the past who have conquered their demons and gone on to live happy, productive lives. The first suggestion I would have for people who are having issues with addiction and depression is to get help or at least talk to others about your current situation and the thoughts and feelings you're having about your situation. If you would feel shame or embarrassment talking to someone you know, then find someone you don't know. You can get online and just search for a counselor or a hotline that you can call right now if you wanted to. When we are isolated, we tend to think that the thought patterns that we are having are the only ones to have given the circumstances. We have our own thought patterns, and we tend to think that's all there is. Just talking to others helps us realize that the thoughts we are having as the result of what is happening in our environment is not the only possible way to think about the situation, that there are an infinite number of ways that we can perceive and respond to a given situation. Just telling your story to someone who is willing to listen And getting a different perspective can be very helpful in helping us bust out of the harmful or even potentially deadly thought pattern. With addiction in particular, I have found a thought pattern that has been very successful in helping me bust out of my addiction to cigarettes. Cigarettes is one of the most powerful addictions that one can have. It's not as devastating as other addictions since you can smoke and basically remain functional up until the time you die a premature death from smoking cigarettes. The key to me quitting my addiction was the awareness that the uncomfortable urge that gnaws at you until you fulfill the addiction is temporary and it just lasts a few minutes and it will go away whether or not you feed the addiction. Now it will return, possibly the next day, the next week, or maybe even within the next hour. If you don't like that feeling, that irritating urge to satisfy your addiction, then the best way to eliminate that feeling is not to feed it. If you give in to it, it will conquer you and it will come back again and again to enslave you with regularity. If you can stay strong and win the battle, the urge will go away. It will come back. But if you can hold off and win again, the urges will be weaker and weaker and further and further apart until there will be a day that the urge has completely gone and you will be free.